the icons of real estate podcast are you ready to learn the proven money-making secrets from top producing icon agents ready to skyrocket your business this podcast is for you tune in every week and find out how to implement proven strategies to 10 times your business from three million dollars to 30 million dollars in just 12 months brought to you by the masters in real estate marketing ardor seo Welcome to the Icons of Real Estate. I'm Tim Calloway. We have a very special guest for you today, Justin Colby from The Science of Flipping. Justin is the founder of The Science of Flipping podcast and The Science of Flipping coaching program. It is an active real estate investor having flipped over 1,500 homes in multiple markets. As a coach and mentor, he has advised over thousands of clients on how to become a real estate investor and is recognized as a national public speaker. Justin, how are you? Tim, I'm great. I appreciate you uh, having me on today. Uh, yeah, and I guess excited. my assistant goofed up and sent an old bio. I'm well above 2,100 deals uh, in, wow. in working as a moment wow. in time. That's fantastic, man. I'm excited to hear about it. Well, were you six years old, like tugging on your dad's pant leg going, hey, dad, how do I get into flipping houses? Or yeah. something, did you come by it naturally? or like, No, it, it came out of desperation. I, I lost yeah. everything down in 2008 lost my home, lost my car, uh, was sleeping on a couch. And I knew I loved real estate, but I didn't want to be a realtor. Respect all the realtors out there. Uh, I didn't want to drive people around and take orders. I wanted to create a business. And so I chose real estate investing, flipping homes, wholesaling homes, buying rentals, that whole thing as my route in real estate. And it's proven to do well. I was 26 at the time. So you guys can do the math. And so I've done this for about 15 years here and it's been great. It's been a blessing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, 2008 really changed a lot of our lives, right? I mean, uh, and, and, no doubt, you know, mother necessity takes over and it's amazing what, what can kind of blossom from that. So, you know, flipping houses, I've had a lot of guests on that flip homes and everybody's got a kind of different score and a different mentality. Why did you choose wholesaling as, as being the investment? So there's a lot of different ways to invest in homes, right? Yeah, uh, there's tear down rebuilds. There's you know uh, whatever whatever you want to do. How did you find wholesaling fit what you know your your world? You know, initially I didn't. I actually started probably backwards from how everyone gets educated in the sense everyone says start with wholesaling because you don't need money, you don't take on risk, you don't need loans, and then get into flipping and buying and holding. I actually kind of started flipping first. And as I just said, I was broke, busted, disgusted, right? Like literally the repo man had to take my car. That's how bad it got. Right. Right. Um, and I say that to say, I actually, at the time there was transactional funding and I was able to work with realtors to find properties that just had enough margin that I could go in and transactionally fund and flip these homes. So I'd actually close on it and then resell it moments later to the, to the buyer. And that led me to raising private money and then buying down at the foreclosure auction and then flipping those homes. And I found wholesaling four or five years into my career. And that obviously became a game changer because now you can do volume. You can create income while those flips are going on. A lot of times, if you're doing flips at volume of any sort, you get into cash crunch time, right? And so wholesaling was able to float that boat while I was still rehab flipping. So it's just a perfect vehicle for all real estate investors. There shouldn't be a real estate investor that thinks they're too good, too successful to not be wholesaling. I've talked to all of them. And they all say, 
you know, even if their focus is, let's just say, you know, buying multi-units, they will still from time to time wholesale as a part of their strategy. Right. Yeah. I, I think wholesaling is a, especially, I always come from the vantage point, just as when I, when I talk to people of, they've never done this before, right? It's something they've never, yeah, Tim, I really want to get into real estate. I've been a, what I call a retail, you know, agent for a long time, but I really wanted to get into, you know, investing, but gosh, I'm so scared. And I'm like, wow, how have you been in real estate so long? And this is just the random real, realtor. How have you been in real estate so long and don't know anything about wholesale? And it kind of shocks me. So, so why don't we do this? Go through like the initial, uh, let's, let's say I, I know nothing. Uh, and I've decided to hit your training, go to your coaching program, you know, without going into great detail. Well, here's step one, you know, let's do this. But give me, give me the cliff notes of what I can expect you know, the, the first two weeks and how much culture shock would there be for me? You know, if, if you were an active agent in this example, I would say there's not much culture shock. And the reason being, it's not culture shock is mindset, right? You need to continue thinking as a lead generator. So I call this business an opportunity business. And in certain circles, that has a negative conversation with the MLMs and all that kind of stuff. Right. But here, it's all about driving as many opportunities as you can and then exiting and maximizing those opportunities. So as a realtor, you need to go create as many listing or buying opportunities as you can. Well, especially on the listing side, there's a lot of similarity there. Because instead of listing, you're actually just trying to contract and flip, right? right? Same idea. You need as many leads as possible in your pipeline so you can convert those leads. So it really becomes a marketing game. All real estate investing turns into marketing and sales at some level as at the beginning and then your exit strategy, which could be wholesale, fix and flip, buy and hold, short-term rentals, et cetera. That is how you want to exit whatever the opportunity is. But there shouldn't be much culture shock. There shouldn't be much shock in general because you're just saying, okay, I'm going to go create someone who's going to raise their hand to sell. And if they raise their hand to sell, I now could either list it, wholesale it, flip it, buy and hold long-term, buy and hold short-term. I now have opportunities. So really, I try to really help people mentally get over that there's a difference. There's not a difference. In fact, realtors a lot of times have a bigger advantage because they are licensed. So if they're doing this in their own city, in their own market, and you can do it anywhere. I'm, I'm actively doing deals across the nation in all the states, including Alaska, by the way. But if you're in your own backyard, then you have all the opportunity in the world to list it, wholesale it. So you need to be thinking this way. It actually is silly not to be thinking this way. Coming from my side, I agree. I agree 100%. So what are the, some of the um, caveats for, for someone new? And I'm focusing on the new person, obviously. Sure. Um, for someone new, you know, one of the questions I always get, so I'm going to transfer it over to you, you being the, the expert, you know, they always say to me, how do I find buyers? Mm. No, okay, Tim, I can go out and find properties. I'm great at that. Okay. Uh, they go out and find the properties. And then, you know, the wholesaling process, Maybe they know how to do that. But one of the questions I always get, it's not how to finance it. It's not how to write up contracts. It's how to find the buyers, uh, especially in an expeditious amount of time. How, how do you go about coaching that, you know, without giving away the secret sauce? If there is a secret sauce, you sure. know, how do you go about how, teaching that? Well, in the investment space, it's pretty easy because you can look up all the transactions that are investment deals. 
right? Specific to being an investment deal. And so you'll see people like I use a software called Privy and it gives me national MLS access directly to the MLS. It's not third-party first American data right. in almost 60 cities at this point. I say that to say I can actually see each transaction that was bought and resold in under 18 months, 18 months and under. I can see all those transactions. So it's very simple for me to go in, look at the transaction, look who bought and sold it, and then go call that person. So the oh, investment space okay. is very, very simple. Right. In the retail space, I'll be honest, and especially as we're recording this episode, there's a major disconnection between what realtors are doing in reality right now. And it's a challenge. And the reason being is they are serving their client, the homeowner. And I understand the challenge. They're serving their client, but they're not being honest with their client. And they're allowing their client to tell them what they want to list their property at and what they want to sell their property. And the homeowners right now want last year's prices. They feel like they missed out and they still want last year's prices. Well, that time has come and gone and it won't be back. And unfortunately, the realtors, and I, and I do deals with realtors, a lot of deals with realtors, as a matter of fact, and I try to help them understand like you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing your client a disservice if you're going to list a property what they want. Be honest with them. List it at what it will sell at and then you won't have an issue finding buyers, right? As an investor, you know, not all deals on the MLS are going to make sense for me. So that's totally fine. But agents, you shouldn't have problems finding buyers. You're just not listening at the right price. There's a national home shortage. Good National. Point. Not yeah. in one city. National. Right. So agents, what you guys have going on, and I know there's a vast amount of agents listening to this, is you got to be more transparent and, and true to, the, to your actual client so you don't look bad. I have right. great agents who will actually turn down listings because the homeowner is not reasonable. So they're going to have a bad mark on their name because the homeowner doesn't want to list it for what they think it should be listed for. You know, yeah. as an as a investor, it's very simple to find the transactions that have been flipped or investors in the area. Finding buyers in that sense, easy. For agents, just price the home right. Right. That's good advice, man. Really good advice. So what are so dovetailing from that, I guess, Justin, what what are the most common mistakes made? I mean, for for wholesalers, is the deal made at at, at on the front end more than the back end? I mean, is, is your money made on the purchase? Always, right? I you know, it's interesting. I was just talking to one of my students. He has this property down in Orlando, 18 unit apartments, right? Uh, 18 units uh, owned by a brother and sister. You know, the reality is it's at retail. And I said, dude, I, you know, I like this property. I like Winter Park, Orlando. I like all these things, but I still need to get a better number on the buy, right? Does it actively make sense this second? If I just wanted to throw money at something, it does. It's right. not a bad investment. If I just literally had an extra 200 grand that I just wanted to park somewhere, I could park it here, but I'm an investor. So I need a better deal to make sure that it's a really good investment. I don't need to steal it. I don't need to rob someone's home. I don't need to, you right. know, all the other stuff, but I'm an investor and I want to make good investments. I don't want to just park money. Right. And that's the difference is in that deal, for example, I'd be buying it for my own rental portfolio. And again, it's a fine deal. If you're watching my bunny ears to right. just park money, it's not a good deal as an investor. And that's what I was trying to educate my student on is we need a better number here or get more creative, meaning if the if the brother and sisters are are able to finance me, if they can right. become the bank and I don't have to go get a loan from the bank, which we all know where the interest rates are right now, right? Then it could be a better deal, even at the same price. 
just because I've been able to create terms that are more beneficial to me than if I go to the bank and have to go get a loan at seven and a half, almost 8% at this point. Now it doesn't make any sense, right? So it's about structuring the acquisition. If you do a good job structuring the acquisition, whether it's creative or a deeper discount, you're not going to have a problem finding buyers again, because they know it's a good deal. The key will be investors like myself and, and anyone else. We don't need to grand slam home run every deal. Right. We just need to make sure it's a really solid, solid deal, right? And that's where you as, as the wholesaler or the acquisition person, you need to understand who your end buyer is, what they're doing, how they're buying, what's their criteria, what because then you could just go fish for them directly for them, right? I have a lot of colleagues that were really active with the um, hedge funds. They right. literally just went fishing for the hedge funds. They knew their yeah. buy box. They knew exactly year built, size, square footage, the fact that they didn't want pools, the fact that they didn't want, you know, one bedroom or one bathroom, they had to have two, et cetera. They could go fish for it. They knew what to buy it. And now they crushed it. They made millions and millions of dollars. Now the same challenge for them right now is the hedge funds aren't buying like that. Right. So they became a one trick pony and they didn't, you know, diversify as I try to always tell people, you need to be diversified, wholesale, flip, buy and hold short-term rentals. You need to be creative on your acquisitions. They didn't. Now they're in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about, we talked about how you got started, kind of some of the, you know, uh, ins and outs of process. So let's talk about the future for Justin. And, yeah. and the science of flipping. Put on our, our prognostication hats here for a minute uh, and, and try to figure out the future. What, you know, what's the one, three, five-year plan for you? I mean, it, it sounds like you're doing very well uh, on your side of the investment side. Obviously, the coaching side, I'm excited. You know, I'm, I'm actually going to myself try to little, learn a little bit more about kind of what you do on the coaching side and recommend people for that. So, yeah. You know, what's the future look like, though, for you overall, the one, three and five year plan? Yeah. So the one year plan, specifically 2023, going through 2023, I, I call it like this. I want to buy runway and I think everyone needs to buy runway. Well, what does that mean? The market is shifting. The Fed is continuing to increase rates. We don't know where it's going to stop. We just need runway to keep going right? Mm -hmm. We don't need to knock it out of the park. I don't need the highest revenue year I've ever had. I just need to continue to buy runway so that the buyers as a wholesaler, so that I can get the buyers to get their feet on solid ground, right? Once we can get some normalization to what is happening, the buyers will be back as heavy as ever, right? It doesn't matter if interest rates are at 6% or higher, they will be there. But right now, as it's turbulent and moving downwards, they're kind of they're a little more reserved. They're still buying. Right. They're just looking for a better deal as we just talked about, right? So the one-year plan, I'm going to buy as much runway as possible. I need to just do the amount of deals I possibly can do that keeps me in the green. I don't need the best years of my life. I don't need the best 12 months. Now, am I going to do everything I can to make as much money and do as many, 100%? Yeah, sure. But the crippling kryptonite, if you will, for most real estate investors is have improper expectations. And what I've learned over 15 years and 2,100 deals, if I keep good expectations, solid expectations, reachable, but yet a little stretching, then I never flounder. I, I'm okay. In right. the last 90 to 120 days, I'm still actively doing deals. In fact, I'm actively doing deals, not just across the nation, in some of the more difficult markets in the nation, such as Phoenix, because right. I know how to 
adjust and pivot and make moves real time where most don't. So the next 12 months, I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to be pushing forward. I'm going to keep my head down and do what I know works, right? Not a lot of, not a lot of guessing and not a lot of, you know, Hail Mary type things. Right. The next three years, three to five is going to be the same. I'm going to buy as many rentals as I possibly can while actively wholesaling, while actively flipping. My goal is to get 2,000 doors, right? Now, is that going to happen in the next three to five years? Who knows? Maybe, but most likely not. And so again, proper expectations. I'm just going to get there, right? Yeah. I'm going to get to 2,000 doors. I'm just not going to put a time on it. A lot of people fail because they say, I'm going to get there in five years. And then five years comes and goes and they only have 40 or whatever right. the case is. And then they just say, ah, oh, I'm tired of this fight. I'm just going to do whatever else or whatever the case yeah. may be. I'm not going to put a timeline on it. Would I like to push for five years? Of course. But if it takes me 10, am I going to really be upset? I'm going to be 51 years old with 2000 rentals. Right. I'm not going to be terribly upset at that point. Right. It's a, it's so a great portfolio. Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to do the, the same thing for the next three to five years. I'm going to be a master marketer. I'm going to be a lead gen maniac. I'm going to drive as many leads and opportunities into my world as possible. If it fits my buy bucket, I'm going to buy it to hold it. If it doesn't, I'm going to look at it as a flip. Can I rehab and flip it? And if that those numbers don't work for me specifically, I'm going to wholesale it, right? And that's it. And again, I want to look up and, and have 2,000 doors. You know, I've done this 15 years. So I'm an old dog and everyone wants to, oh, I'm going to do several hundred deals this year and I'm going to make yeah. two. I'm going to do the very best I can every single day, week, month, and year. And if that means two, three, four million dollars, great, right? In the case of the next 12 months, it might be closer to $1 million. But every day I'm going to wake up to do my best to do as many deals as possible, to generate as many leads as possible. So I'm out of the whole game of like, create a seven figure, like do that, right? Or, you know, we're doing a hundred plus deals a year. Great, do that. But like, I don't care about talking about it. I just want the results, right? Right. There's there's a science that that people that tend to talk over inflate goals um, you've already achieved them in your mind because you've kind of spoken them, right? I mean, yep. if you start saying, oh, I'm going to do a thousand deals this year and oh, it's going to have to, it's going to happen this year. This is my year. Uh, then it's already happened in your mind. You yep. know, I mean, the, the real goal is to be like you were saying, I like the, I really, really like the uh, runway. I, yeah. I really do. And I I'd never heard that before. And that might be your, you came up with it. And so I'm going to steal it. I'm going to trademark it. No, I'm kidding. I like it. Do it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's awesome because right now, uh, you know, being in the on, on the podcast side full time, I speak to so many people that are in fear, trepidation, all these things that keep you from being successful, right? Uh, those are the things that keep you from being successful. And everything that's happened in the past six months, take out the year and a half before that, where it was like fairy tale land, it was the Walt Disney world of investing in homes and real estate. And now it's like, okay, here's reality. Yep. And the reality is exactly what you said, Justin, is just go out there and build on, build on, build on, get as many leads as you can, build that runway. And I love it because what happened before, if it happens again in my lifetime and I'm a bit older than you, I'll be shocked. I will be yeah. shocked. Yeah. Listen, what we just went through has never happened ever. Right. To your point. If it happens again in your lifetime, you would be shocked. I would too, right? Yeah. I mean, I just, <clears throat> you know, everyone's, um, they got spoiled. They think, you know, 2.8%, 3% interest is like the norm. 
Right. I actually don't think we see that again for another 20 years. Right. I don't, I mean, and maybe even not, I think maybe 4% starts to become kind of reality, but yeah. you know, listen, sure that. Yeah. I was born in the eighties. I wasn't an adult, but my grandfather was a developer in the eighties and he constantly tells me stories about, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, the 80s. And people were still buying, by the way, just so right. we're clear. Right. I mean, that's people need to get back. That's why I'm saying this year we buy runway, get everyone back to normalcy, get everyone back to 6%, like, okay, 6% interest. And we'll be back. That's it. Huh. I, I do believe there's all, you know, a shortage of homes. Right. Period. And if you're a realtor, if you're an investor, you know, the gold will be in the homes. Go right. generate as many leads, go create the opportunities. Cause if you do, you will make money. For sure. If you want to be scared and trepidatious and fear, and I don't know how we're going to get through that, like, then A, I'm not your guy. Right. No, not at all. Uh, but For B, sure. then you're going to create your own existence. So just yeah. realize that you speak your truth, you speak your future, you can speak into whatever you want. Right. For me, I want to have a very solid next 12 months because I know there's going to be some moving parts, there's going to be some nuance to, how everything unshakes. And then I want to just go full steam ahead and crush the next three to five years. And I think everyone should have that mentality. Yeah. Fantastic. So Justin, how can someone get in touch with you? Um, I think what you've had to say has been fantastic. How, how could they get a hold of you and maybe get involved in your, your program? So everyone should go to justincolby.tv, justincolby.tv. You will uh, be able to subscribe to the YouTube channel and you can Watch every single one of my podcasts, The Science of Flipping, right there on the YouTube channel. I give a ton of free educational content right there. So justincolby.tv. And then the other place would be my Instagram, at the Justin Colby. There's a lot of fakes out there, by the way. I've come to realize people are reporting, like they'll screenshot no. these fakes. So <laughs> make sure it is actually me. As the time of this recording, I'm somewhere like 80,000 followers, give or take. So make sure that th that sounds like the right number. If you're going to go follow me, the Justin Colby, because there are a lot of fakes out there. And those are the two best. And, and make sure you hit me up on Instagram. I think it's funny. People follow me and then never communicate with me. Feel yeah. free. It really is me. Uh, there's not a like a bot or anything like I will actually right. communicate with you. Right. And so reach out to me on Instagram and, and we can chat. Yeah, that's fantastic. I might be one of those people, Justin, uh, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> You're in Phoenix, correct? Uh, I'm in Miami. Oh, you are in Miami. Is that uh, full-time Miami now? Full-time Miami. I live in Pinecrest. Oh, nice. Okay. I, I, for whatever reason, you mentioned Phoenix, and I thought I had read you You were in Phoenix, but I, I, I apologize. I was in Phoenix for 12. Like I said, you probably got, my assistant gave you an older bio, but yeah, I was in Phoenix for 12 years. That's where I did the vast majority, 16, 1700 deals in Phoenix. Um, and so okay. you weren't wrong, brother. You had it right. Justin, you're never going to believe what I'm about to tell you. I went through the same thing you did in 2008. My listeners have heard this story, so I'm not going to get into great detail. But I went through the same thing that you did. I mean, just everything kaput, right? Uh, and then kind of had to reinvent myself and learn real estate, things like that. And I moved to Arizona. And I lived there for about 11 years. And... Um, and then I moved here to Florida, but West Palm Beach, not Miami. Uh, and my son lives in Miami. He's at the U, actually. But nice. um, yeah. And uh, but it's interesting how that parallels, you know, and I'm sitting there listening to you going, geez, what have I heard this story before? Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool. That's awesome. and, yeah. and that's cool that your son's probably having time of his life at the U. That is for sure. 
He is. He's actually in the PhD program now. He uh, got his bachelor's there, uh, graduated uh, last May, and got accepted into their P- PhD kinesiology program. And, That's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's having a, he's having a blast. He's actually in Arizona right now, <laughs> visiting his old friends. They they do a couple of times a year trips. So this is something I always do, Justin, at the end of my shows. You know, we we've heard a lot of what you have to say, and it's awesome. And I hope people follow through as I know I will take us out, you know, take the last minute or two and, and just tell us what's on your mind, your heart. You know, it, it could be about real estate. It could be about your program. It could be about your family, anything that you like, but just kind of take us out with a good word and, and how you're feeling about things right now. Yeah. Well, so I would say this guys, um, guys and gals, the world's a crazy place. That is for certain. I don't care what side of politics you're on. I don't care what you believe in. I don't care what God you believe. Like the world is crazy. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to spend a little time with my 93-year-old grandfather. And I asked him if there was one thing he could teach me after 93 years on this planet. Now think about what he's seen in 93 years, right? What would be one thing that he could leave me with, you know, about this life and and something to, you know, think about? And he said, it's all about acceptance, Justin. Life is about acceptance. It really kind of dawned on me that there's so much non-acceptance in this world, right? Um, and then I asked him, what about being married in a relationship? You know, he was married for 53 years, 63 uh-huh. years yeah, uh, before my grandmother passed. Yeah, And now he's been in another relationship for another 15 years or whatever it is. And him. he said, same answer, acceptance right? Accept the other person for exactly who they are. Don't try to change them. Don't try to make them see your way. Accept. And it's really just been something that like, I've been trying to actively live each and every day. And then on top of that, I was just asked um, what I stand for. And ironically enough, and I don't think it was irony, it was it was ingrained in me, but my answer became acceptance. Yeah, Right. And to accept everyone is exactly who they are and how they come and what they do and how it may be different than how I am and to accept that in in its own beauty and and leave it that way. And so if I can impress upon anything, you know, go in today, this week, this month, this year, this decade, and just be more accepting of all of it. And that even goes to looking in the mirror and accepting who you are and some of your limitations and some of your, your own challenges. Um, and accept them because it'll help you appreciate yourself and love yourself a whole lot more. And lastly, I'll leave with be true to your nature. And that goes along the same lines as acceptance. But, you know, if your nature is to give and love and, and support and, you know, help be that don't let anyone else change who you are in your nature. I don't care what they've said about you, what they thought about you, if they're gossiping about you, what they've done to you. Don't let others change your nature. And if you can do that, you will genuinely live a happy life. Great advice, man. Great, great sage advice. I, people need to take that to heart and you know put it as part of their mantra or their lifestyle. Justin Colby, The Science of Flipping. Thank you so much for being on the show. I do look forward to catching up with you over the next three, six, nine months. See how things are going. And um, we'll talk to you then. Appreciate it, Tim. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Justin. Have a great one.